Welcome to the Savvy Scribe Podcast. I am so glad you're here. Before we start the show, if you're interested, we have a free Facebook group called Savvy Nurse Writer Community. I appreciate you following and listening to me today. And I would love if you would subscribe via iTunes. And if you love our show, can I ask you for a review? Select ratings and reviews and write a review. It's that simple. I would love to read your review and it helps other nurses like you find our podcast. Thanks so much. Savvy Scribe Podcast. A podcast for healthcare professionals who are interested in starting their own health writing businesses. I'm Janine, a registered nurse and your host. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, mom to these two incredible boys, wife to my best friend, and owner of two crazy Great Danes. I help nurses discover freelance writing as an extra income opportunity with help from my guests. Join us over on Facebook in the group Savvy Nurse Writer Community or SavvyNurseWriter.com to join our course and membership to create your own profitable writing business. Enjoy the show! Hey everybody, thanks for joining me on the show today. Today we have Chris Odegaard. He is an alternative investment blogger and educator and author of Get Off Your ASS and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. Through his blog at the prolific investor.net and book Chris shows investors why alternatives are vastly superior to the stock market and the 401k highway to mediocrity. It's very interesting what we talked about and gosh, over the 20 years in nursing, how many nurses I see that are just, okay, 401k, that's it. That's all we need. But he's going to bust these myths that we have as any conventional worker and really tell us ideas to manage our money somewhere else to really get a bigger return and not work until we're 70 years old. All right, take a listen. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Hey, everybody. I have Chris with us today. How are you, Chris? I'm awesome. That's my job in the world is to be awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. I love that. And we're talking today about... um, the five reasons why your 401k sucks. So I love yes. this topic. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear many people talking like this. You know, this is a little unusual. So, And it, it is very unusual because that's not the traditional traditional mm-hmm. way, right? <laughs> yep. It's not what I call the conventional wisdom. It's not conventional wisdom, which I challenge all the time. <laughs> yes, exactly. So let's, let's talk first about who you are, where you're from, and sure. kind of and what you do and your background sure. just a little bit, how you got there. Yeah. Sure. Well, like you, I'm from Ohio. I grew up in Cincinnati. Well, you're from Cleveland. Um, I was, I was, I grew up in a conventional household. You know, conventional investing. That's all I knew. Go get an education, get a job with benefits, and plow your money into a 401k until you're, you know, really, really old someday, and then you'll retire and everything will be good. So I, uh, I went to Embry Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach, Florida, to be an airplane mechanic. I ended up working at the Kennedy Space Center for a while down in Florida. Then I worked for Boeing in Seattle. And at the height of my career, I was the director of contracts where I wrote and negotiated the contracts for commercial airplane sales to airlines all around the world at one royal family. And uh, in 2000, uh, 2000, around 2009, so I was on the conventional path, you know, because that's all I knew. And it was working as well as that works for anybody. And in 2009, I had this huge illiquidity event where I lost 55% of my assets and thousands of dollars a month. My illiquidity event happened to be a divorce, but it could have been for any particular reason. 
And so uh, a friend of mine said uh, around the same time had said, hey, Chris, you should read this book, this book. And I bought this book and I sat it on the nightstand and it sat there for too long. And one day I finally read it and was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he looks at money and finance investing completely different. And from that day forward, I kind of put the conventional investing in the rearview mirror and started doing investing in alternatives. And nine years later, when I kind of looked back on everything, I had made up that 55% and multiplied it many times over and I fired the man. I never have to work again if I don't want to. And I don't think you could have done, I know you couldn't have done that if I had been on what I call the 401k highway to mediocrity. So I started my blog in 2018, right around the time I fired the man. And uh, I've just been writing about my experiences and hoping I can help a whole lot of other people either get off the highway to, to mediocrity or if they're younger people never get on it in the first place. When I like that you had the experience of being on it, right? Like it, yep. you're not just like coming out of nowhere yep. and going, yeah, you shouldn't do this because you've mm-hmm. been in it. And that's a cool background though, by the way, that was pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> it's, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I've been to 30 different countries and uh, just it was, uh, you know, you, you look at a career and you sometimes the last five years maybe aren't the best, you know, you, you've been doing it a long time. But when I look at the thing in, in, in total, it was really a, it was really a great, a, a great ride. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I also read here in, in my notes that you have a book out there. Tell us the name of your book. I do have a book. I'll show you. It's yeah. called, it's called, uh, whoa, it's called get off your ass and manage your money. Why you need alternative investments. <laughs> Love it. And I, I, it was released, I think around November of last year, I spent about a year writing it and it's a really easy read. It's about 120 pages, but what I tried to do was, you know, take all the missteps and everything I had made over the last 10 plus year and draw a straight line and said, if you wanted to move in this direction, this would be the easiest and most efficient way to do it. And let me help you out of all the mistakes. And you can, you can literally read this book in two hours. So uh, if you want, if, if what I end up saying today gets your interest, I know this is self-promoting, but really this is the best way to kind of move forward. And we'll talk about my website too, but you know, that's another place. I, I love that though, because don't we just want the answers? We don't want the riffraff. We don't want, so that being yeah. said, let's dive yeah. in. Let's just do this. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> Tell us five reasons why our 401k sucks. Okay. So I'm going to, I've got like six here. I don't think we'll get through all six. In fact, the first two are just, they're like atomic bombs, I think. So the first one is that it doesn't work for 92% of the population. So think of your, now I know that you're 92%. 92. Okay. 92. So I know, I know that your audience is smarter than, than the average. So that might not be quite right, but you know, take a sample of the population and they're not going to be able to retire comfortably or at all using uh, their 401k as the vehicle to retirement. So there's something, and I'll give you the math. So there's something called the the 4% rule. So if you go to a financial advisor, uh, the 4% rule is what they give to retirees to tell them how much of their stock bond mutual portfolio they can sell off every year and not run out of money before they run out of life. And so if you, did that make sense? It does, but okay. it's just, 
It's just a thought like, oh, gosh. (laughs) So, you know, the conventional investment, first, what is conventional investments? It's everything that's publicly traded, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and you invest through a 401k. That's the conventional wisdom. Everything else is alternative. So back to the 4% rule, let's say you just want to retire with a median income in the United States, which is about $65,000 a year. That works better in some parts of the country than it does in other. But if you just had your sights right there, I just want to have the median median income in retirement. So you take the 65,000, you divide it, I'm looking for my notes, you divide it by the 4% rule, and you get a 1.575 million. Well, only 8% of the population is ever going to be millionaires. So it, it, it doesn't work, right? And, and what's, what's also happening is that the 4% rule is not standing the test of time. So now advisors are talking about the 3% rule or the 3.2% rule. So if you apply the 3% rule to the 65,000 or 63, now you're back up to a $2.1 million 401k portfolio. 92% of the population will never get there. And for those of you that do get there, that's fantastic. More power to you. But for the rest of us, there's, 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 there's got to be a better way. So that's the first reason why your 401k really sucks. It's like a lot of us in nursing school, right? We did our nursing school. If you were young, like I was, it was, I was done with school by the time I was 21 years old. What do you know at 21 years old? Nothing. You know, nothing. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. You're like, oh, okay. Sign up for your 401k. I'm like, okay, highly aggressive. Cause I'm yep. 21 years old. Yep. And I never looked at it again. Like you have no idea. And even now people I work with in their Mm forties still don't know what they're doing. It just kind of sits there and you hope that it, you just kind of hope that it gains money over time. So eventually you can retire. And most of the time people aren't retiring because one, they can't live off that. And two, you need healthcare benefits and they Mm -hmm. don't know what to do about that. There's so many people that are just working until they die. Yes. Right. So, Go on. That's one reason why it sucks. So that's number one. And then the second reason is that, um, so what are the two big selling points about the 401k? It's the company match and the tax benefits. So I can put some numbers behind this too. The company match and the tax benefits are so inferior to other types of investments. Here's, I wish I had $100 for every time I heard this conventional piece of wisdom that's, oh, well, you at least have to put in enough money into your 401k to get the company match. That's a no-brainer. That is completely wrong. The no-brainer is you should never put any money in there to begin with. And I'm going to tell, tell you why. So, um, so and this will be, uh, I've actually, had, this is an article I'm doing for February, which I haven't published yet, but it'll be out. So, the average 401k contribution, oh, let me, let me back up. The average ma- company match is about 4%. So that's what the average is across the country. So let's say that, um, you know, over the course of, a y- of the year, you put a 30, you made $30,000 in contributions to your 401, which is probably at the top end of what's even possible, right? But just for example's sake, let's say in, in one year, you put in $30,000. The company match and the tax savings would be worth $8,400. And that's a one-time thing. So if you ne- let's say you never made another contribution and you just let that money sit there. If you kind of looked at what is the performance of investing $30,000 and getting $8,400 back over the course of 30 years, that's a 0.13% annual return. Okay. Now, 
Now, you wouldn't just make the one contribution one time, but I'm just doing this to show you what the value of the match and the tax benefits are. Well, I think it's funny because don't you guys wish like Chris is in our pocket when we go to our (laughs) HR, like to sign up for benefits? And they're like, in my my company's real, we do 6%. We do 6% match. You have to Right. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any difference. It wouldn't matter if it was 10%. I'll show you. Right? So, so let's say you took the same $30,000 and instead of putting it in the 401k, you bought a single family rental somewhere in the country and you got a $70,000 loan. So you got a $100,000 property for your $30,000. You also get, so that the company matches nothing but somebody else's money. It's free money to you, right? But when you buy a rental, you get a company match too. It's called somebody else paying off the $70,000 mortgage over the next 30 years. So not with the 401k, you got the match one time. With the single family rental, you get every month, you get it every month for the next 360 months, a, a match. And, um, and then the tax benefits with real estate, you get something called depreciation where you get the, the, the IRS will let you write off 75%. Well, they'll let you write off the, the value of the building, not the land. And that might be like 75%. So in this case, that would be uh, 70, uh, what is it? Anyway, doesn't matter. But at the end, of, so the value of the match and the tax benefits on the single family rental, are you ready for this? Remember it was, it was $8,400 before one time it's, right it's yeah one time and this is it's this is worth $88,000 oh that's it <laughs> that's it and and if you and if you say well what is you made that $30,000 investments and you got $88,000 back just in tax benefits and your mortgage being paid off over the next 30 years what's that return 9.78% and that's that assume that assumes that the property never went up in value and that you never got any positive cash flow. So you can see that the match is just crap in the 401k and it's fantastic in a single family rental. So I think we could just shut this down right now. Everybody can go home. <laughs> Those two, stop yes. contributing to your 401k, right? <laughs> well, and what's funny, we had um, Savannah on the show not that long ago and she talked all about real estate investing as a nurse. And again, we don't know a lot. They don't teach us finances right, in nursing right. school. So it's a, it's a very dark area for many of us because right. we just don't know. You don't know what you don't know until you start educating yourself. Right. And it's scary when you don't know it, but I'm telling you guys, you save lives, educate yourselves. This yes, isn't, right. this isn't yeah. rocket science. Like yeah. it literally can help you so much. Yeah. Um, and what's funny when I asked Savannah, maybe you know this answer too, but the market right now. The prices are so high. Should I even be investing right now? Yeah, what right. would you say to that? Well, I can tell you that with with the official inflation rate being at around 7%, which means the real inflation is higher, the one way to guarantee that you're going to lose money is by not being in the game, by yep. sitting on the sidelines. So, uh, Waiting for the right time. The right time, right? <laughs> so, uh you know, people have been saying that this bubble is going to, they've been saying this for the last 10 years, right? Yep. So if you pulled your money out of the market 10 years ago, you lost, regardless of what you were investing in, you lost out on a whole lot of money. Um, and, you know, uh, smart investors figure out how to make money in every market, not just when, when, the, when the market, some markets are going up, right? There's always, there's always an opportunity and you just have to, 
unfortunately, uh, I mean, if you want to do if you want to do nothing and be on the 401k highway to mediocrity, you're going to have a mediocre lifestyle in retirement. This is work, but it's actually fun and you're going to have a much better lifestyle. Maybe you'll retire at 40 instead of 55 or whatever. You know? And wouldn't that be nice just to be like, you know, what? I don't have to work. But I like to work, so I'll go to work. Right. It's just a different well, mindset. Yeah, it's. I like to say when you can make work a choice instead of a necessity. You go do what you want to do because you like it. Maybe it makes money. Maybe it doesn't because you've got this passive source of income coming in from someplace else. So cool. So cool. So, all right. We made it past the two. <laughs> okay. I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud okay. of us. So uh, let's take- uh, I'm like let's dying take, to know more. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, the 401k- and all the conventional wisdom assumes that you're going to be less successful in the future than you are today. So what, <laughs> and, and then, yeah. then that just moves right on to number uh, one of the other ones. They assume that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket at the end of your working career. Well, if you've worked and invested for, for 20, 30, or 40 years, you should be at the pinnacle of success at the time you leave. You should be in the highest tax bracket. Well, there's ways to not be in the, let's say you should be making the most money ever, but all the things that get pitched at us from the mainstream media, if you watch the old people, it's, oh, getting the deals on your cell phones, getting these deals because you're so poor yes. when you're retired and you're going to be in a senior discount on a cup of coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm making more money every year being semi-retired and, uh, uh, so anyway, it's just it's it's just a bad way to look look at things, and and with inflation, you know, uh, they don't they don't index that very often, if at all, the tax brackets so it, for inflation. So even if you're not more successful in the future, you're just the same. Uh, the income that you end up with at the end of the game could push you into another tax bracket, even though your buying power is less. Yes. Yes. So, and we all know like things are very expensive right now, mm -hmm. but that usually is a sign that things are going to crash soon, but we don't know when yeah. you don't know when, so nobody you don't knows live by yeah. that. You can't live by that. Yeah. And I heard somebody say something one time that was always stuck with me. He said, the people that get ahead in life are the people that own things. So if you're just a consumer mm -hmm. and all you do is buy stuff, then inflation is, is reducing the buying power of your money. But if you own the stock or the bond or the mutual fund or the rental or the self-storage or the apartment building, guess what? Rents are going up, values are going up. So, hey, bring on the inflation. You know, yes. on, you know I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate if you're a renter, but if you own the building, it's good for you. So you need to be on the side where you own things and inflation works to your advantage. Yes, yes, I like that. I like that mindset. It's really good. We'll be right back. You guys, I wrote a book and it's launched and I want you to check it out. Go over to Amazon, look for Savvy Nurse Writer. It'll come up right away, but it's called Savvy Nurse Writer, a nurse's blueprint for starting a profitable freelance health writing business. We have lots of reviews, all five stars, top new release in the first week it was launched and I want to share it with the world. So head on over to Amazon.com, search Savvy Nurse Writer, and get your copy today. Okay, so I think we did three and four right there. Um, let's see. Uh, so one of the big things about your traditional 401k that sucks is it limits you to conventional investments, right? You can only 
you know, all the big, uh, you know, the Schwabs and the Fidelities and all those people, all you can do in those accounts is whatever mutual funds, you know, that they let you invest in. And the truth is the IRS will let you use 401k money to buy real to invest in real estate, but you have to, you have to get what's kind of called a self-directed 401k, or if you have your own company, a solo 401k that you're going to run, and then you can invest in whatever you want to, except the like handful of the things that I that the IRS says you can't invest in, which is, you know, there's just, you know, you can't buy liquor, you can't buy collector cars and, you know, coins and things like that, whatever. <laughs> so... We don't need that anyway. We don't need yeah, that exactly. Anyway. Right. Very good. I love this chat because, again, I feel like it's such a, a missed area for nurses and in the general population. Like, yeah. you think even just any service worker, same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in this yeah. conventional mindset all the time that you'll always make the same wage. You'll get the 3% increase next year. That's all you'll make. And that, mm-hmm. but it isn't. It isn't just that. You don't have to live by that way all the time. Right. And yeah. it's almost funny when you when you talk to people that are in that mindset and they you tell them they, something different and they're like, what? Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, like they yeah. like it's a foreign language that you right, right. live a little bit differently. Yeah. So um Chris, do you do you share this now? Like, do you have children? Do you share this with them? Like, how are they investing? How are your children investing? Um, well, generally, children will take advice as they get older from anybody but their older. parents. <laughs> yeah, I have a teenager. I know nothing. <laughs> so I, ha- I have uh, I have one uh, child. I won't put any names. <laughs> not that they would ever see this or read the book or anything, right? So it's not really they a big will. deal. <laughs> Excuse me. One one child who is who's going down the conventional path, right? And I have another uh, child, and these are adult, adult children who, who, who asked me, uh, oh, here you go. She said, <laughs> she said hey, <laughs> Dad, what about this? You know, I'm just getting started. What about this 401k? I said, don't do it. Here's why. And she, she discontinued it. And she oh, said, good. Okay, once I get a little bit more together here, let's talk again. So she's actually kind of, uh, you know, listening to a little bit of the stuff that I'm saying. So I guess here's a question from, no one, no one has asked this, but I'm going to ask it for them because this is something I know that is on people's mind. What are the, what should they invest in it besides real estate? Is there anything else you would recommend? Yeah, I, I created something called the hierarchy of investors, which is, I'm looking for it right now. I like to have all this stuff with me. Um, so anything that, um, anything that's not publicly traded is an alternative. So that could be any type of real estate from a single family to a shopping center, or it could be precious metal, silver, gold, uh, uh, business equipment. One thing that I own is a, a portfolio of ATM machines. So I make money every time somebody goes in and uses their cash machine. You could be a private lender. If you've got money, uh, instead of uh, putting it in the stock market, you could lend it out to uh, businesses or people. And, and typically, you'd want some kind of collateral so, you know, so that your loan is secure. Um, uh, and, and one of the best, uh, one of the best investments that I think should be the foundation of every investor's uh, portfolio is ca- uh, a, a properly created cash value life insurance policy. And that's a, a topic, you know, that's way beyond the scope of this, but it's some, some products, pro- financial products got a bad name, you know, like 20 years ago. And even though they're not the same now that they were then, they still carry that one is reverse mortgages and the others is the other is, you know, 
you know, something like universal life or whole life or whatever, but there's some really uh, great products out there that, uh, that you can use to, to, it's a good holding place for your money for tax. You know, if you like the tax, tax free uh, savings account inside an insurance company, that's getting 5%. So, I mean, where, where are you going to get that? It's completely liquid and uh, you can uh, borrow against it. So those are, those are some examples of, of alternatives and cryptocurrency uh, notes. What a note is, is, uh, is, is a mortgage. So if you own a home, the bank might be the, the lender, or I might actually be the lender. Uh, so those are some examples. I love it. I love it. When did you, when did you get your first rental? Or I got, I got my first rental property. I think it was around 2007 or eight. And so my daughter had, had she was beginning to, to start her sophomore year of college and she said, Dad, I don't want to live in the dorm anymore. And, and I, I, I kind of knew that this was going to happen. And I, and I thought, well, when this happens, I'll be damned if I'm going to pay somebody else's mortgage up there. Yep. So uh, we, we bought together a duplex and she lived in one side with a roommate and then oh, that's sub- left the yeah. other side. And that was the time of the Obama uh, first time home buyer credit. So I think we got a $15,000, uh, you know, check because she was on, she was on the deed along with me as a first time home buyer. And she was living about a hundred miles away. So she was screening tenants and doing some of the property management up there. And I was doing some of the back end work. So it was, uh, and we had that, uh, that property for the next three years while she was there and, and quite a few years afterwards before we finally sold it. But that was, that was the first one. And then there was, uh, uh, some other small rentals, and then I got into a whole bunch of things, and now I'm pretty much an apartment investor through syndications. So that's what I like. I love to do it. Now. I love it. That's so cool. How many apartments are you investing into now? I like, think are they I'm, nationwide. Are you? Yeah, they're they're or? across the country. And when Very you do cool. it the way that I do, I'm a limited partner, so I'm one of a handful of people that put the money together. I think I'm probably in maybe 15 across the country, only in, only in certain markets like, you know, Atlanta, Houston, Dallas, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Las Vegas. Love it. Those are the places. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That's an, it's an awesome way to do it too, because you're not really really responsible for the the thing. So, um, let's see, we got a question here from Lori, but one second, I want to ask you, where people can find you on the internet yep. and the world wide web and um, social wise, like share your social links with us that yep. you're most prevalent on. Uh, Theprolificinvestor.net is the website. And since I don't rem- memorize all my social media things, all the little buttons are there. <laughs> there so if you, you go. <laughs> if you go to theprolificinvestor.net, uh, you'll find uh, uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, as well as YouTube. So I write an article once a month and sometimes there's a video associated with it. Sometimes not, but, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, Twitter is probably the one that I'm the least active on. It's more Instagram and Facebook. And of course, if you type in my name and LinkedIn, you'll find me there as well. But yeah, the prolificinvestor.net is the main way. I love it. Love it. Perfect. Um, all right, let's see what Lori has to, has a question about here. She says, who manages well, thank you so much again, Chris. Appreciate you coming on. And I'll email you when this goes live, but thank okay. you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everybody who tuned in and the questions. All right. Thanks so much. Take care of yourself. Okay, you too. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for today's episode of The Savvy Scribe. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time. 
Again, thank you for listening. If you're ready to explore freelance writing as your next PRN job or even full time, I invite you to check out our Savvy Nurse Writer community on Facebook and visit SavvyNurseWriter.com to help you get started today.